Hello and welcome to Encouraging Others in Loving Jesus. I am your host, Kim Smith, and we are on episode 131, Exchanging Healthy Relationships for Human Stepping Stones. Took me a while to come up with that title, and it took me a while just to wrap my heart and mind around exactly what God was going to have me say about today's particular text. So just as a reminder, we've been making our way through 1 Samuel. We spent quite a few weeks uh, just talking about David and Goliath in the fact of talking about the giants that we face in our life versus the Lord of Heaven's armies. And then for the last week or two, we began going back into the text and rejoining the story of Saul, David, Jonathan. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about the sweet, sweet beginning of the relationship between Jonathan and David, and we will talk more about them as time goes on. Last week, we were in 1 Samuel 18. We started with verse 5, and we ended with verse 16, and we were talking about Saul's jealousy of David. David was a commander in Saul's army, so Saul was the first king of Israel. Uh, He was the one that the Israelites, when they had that grass is greener philosophy where they were demanding a king, and God gave them a king, uh, not what was best for them because having God as their king was by far the best. Having an all-knowing, all-powerful king versus having a human, very fallible, didn't really know a heck of a lot king. Big difference between the two. Last week we were talking about Saul and just his insecurity. Uh, when the, the passage that so many as of, of us have heard says, this is verse 6, it says, when the victorious Israelite army was returning home after David had killed the Philistine, Women from all the towns of Israel came out to meet King Saul. They sang and danced for joy with tambourines and cymbals. This was their song. Saul is killed his thousands and David his ten thousands. This made Saul very angry. What's this? They credit David with ten thousands and me with only thousands. Next, they'll be making him their king. So from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. And we didn't talk specifically last week about our own tendency to be jealous of others. But that is definitely a component of this. We talked more about the character of David in the fact that even though Saul was just a mess, um, he was insecure, he was out to get David, David just continued to succeed because he kept putting the Lord first and he kept focusing on the Lord of Heaven's armies whereas Saul was focused on David and comparing himself to him and with all of his insecurities, just a raven mess. Um, And God, as a result of Saul's choices, sent a tormenting spirit to just wear Saul out, and we're going to see that as a pattern. Now, this week, we're going to talk about exchanging healthy relationships for human stepping stones. And where I got that was 
What have we seen already when it comes to the relationship of Saul with God? Saul was not a man of great faith. Saul started out as king of Israel and had some victories. Uh, he really, to me, did not seem to know God very well at all and never did get to that place. But God used him even though he wasn't that man after God's own heart that we know that David was. But what I propose to you is how we relate to God, whether we have a relationship with him or not, number one, and number two, how intimate our relationship with God, it so often plays out in our human relationships. Think about it. When you are where you need to be with God, how do you treat those that you encounter? How do you treat your inner circle? How do you treat your enemies? When we are where we need to be with the Lord, that doesn't mean that all our human relationships are going to be perfect. But it does mean that God is going to be using those relationships in our life. We see in scripture that iron sharpens iron. Sometimes it's going to be a challenge, but God uses it and God can use us. God is challenging us that even in the midst of dealing with people that rub us the wrong way, God is working on our love for them. And God is pouring his love in and through us. I just, uh, today's story in 1 Samuel 18, 17 through 30 is disturbing. Uh, now, there are worse, there are much more disturbing passages in Scripture, and we've gone over some of those when we were in the book of Judges. But this is just so disturbing. Looking at Saul, Saul did not have a working, healthy relationship with God. So, therefore, he was insecure. He didn't find his security in his relationship with God. He was looking for people outside of himself and not God to be the ones that fed his ego. So that that's why it made such a big impact on him. When you have a bunch of ladies that are yelling, that are yelling, Saul has killed his thousands and David his tens of thousands. For somebody with a healthy relationship with God who have their relational security in God, they could handle that. Saul could not because Saul did not have that anchor of a divine relationship. And we're going to see today how that instead of having healthy relationships, Saul is using the people around him as human stepping stones. I mean, he was fine with David as long as David was killing Goliath and not, you know, Saul didn't have to put himself out there. And David was doing that. And then Saul gets the glory because then the Israelites defeat the Philistine army. Saul is not okay with it when David gets the glory. Saul is all about Saul. That's the only relationship he really cares about is Saul looking at himself in the mirror. We're going to read through this text. 
And from a father perspective, this is just ill. And as I've read over it and just, you know, just ask God, what in the world can we possibly get out of this text? I think all of us, if we are not careful and we do not find our security in our relationship with God, we can begin to use those people around us, whether they be acquaintances, whether they be business associates, or whether they even be our own family. Instead of looking at them as people who God created, uh, souls for which Christ died, we can look at them as opportunities for us to move forward. Check it out with Saul, starting with verse 17. This is from the NLT. One day Saul said to David, I'm ready to give you my older daughter Mirab as your wife, but first you must prove yourself to be a real warrior by fighting the Lord's battles. Now that sounds fancy, doesn't it? It sounds like Saul has gotten some commission from God, and that's why he's sending David out. That is not the case. Here's We get to see, and God doesn't always allow us to see the thought life of the people in the Bible. But in this particular case, we get to see what Saul thinks. The rest of the verse says, For Saul thought, I'll send him out against the Philistines and let them kill him rather than doing it myself. He's not worried about David fighting the Lord's battles. He wants David dead. Now, in a few months... When we continue to walk through the life of David, we're going to see him. Well, he's going to struggle with this same thing. But for today, we're talking about Saul and the fact that he's just trying to manipulate David to get David killed. And he's trying to use his daughter, his oldest daughter, to make this happen. He's trying to use her as a pawn to get David to go out and get himself killed. David, in his humility, who am I and what is my family in Israel that I should be the king's son-in-law? David exclaimed, my, my father's family is nothing. So when the time came for Saul to give his daughter Mirab in marriage to David, he gave her instead to Adriel, a man from Mahola. In this case, David's humility saved his life. Now we know that God had greater plans for David, and God would have intervened on David's behalf. But for this initial interaction between David and Saul, David truly was saying, who am I? And what is my family in Israel? I mean, like he just couldn't even get over the fact that Saul might consider him as son-in-law material. Verse 20, in the meantime, Saul's daughter, Michael, had fallen in love with David, and Saul was delighted when he heard about it. Now, you know, think about it. Verse 20, think about that from a dad's perspective. You've got this amazing young man. He is godly. He's good looking. And your daughter falls in love. And if you just see that one verse, you think, oh, Saul really wants what's best for Michael. She wants, he wants her to marry this godly man. Nope. Here's what he's seeing. Instead of looking at his daughter and wanting what's best for her, 
Verse 21, here's another chance to see him killed by the Philistines, Saul said to himself. But to David, he said, today you have a second chance to become my son-in-law. Oh my goodness. Thank you, God, for showing us the backside of this. We not only see what Saul said, but we see what Saul was thinking. We see his motives. How scary would it be if there was an account of your motives that we were reading. That should cause us all to reassess. Verse 22, Then Saul told his men to say to David, The king really likes you, so do we. Why don't you accept the king's offer and become his son-in-law? So now not only has Saul tried to use both two of his daughters, and I'm not saying both of his daughters, but two of his daughters as pawns in this effort to get David killed. But now he's using his own men and planting them and trying to use their words to get David trapped. Verse 23, when Saul's men said these things to David, he replied, how can a poor man from an humble family afford the bride price for the daughter of the king? Now, for those of us in the United States, we're not used to this whole idea of paying the bride price. But I have a little experience in Asia and in a, in a culture that still does pay a dowry. And I've seen that. I, it's so different than American um, culture that we just kind of don't even think about it. But from David's perspective, he's like, how in the world could I possibly, myself and my family, pay the bride price for a daughter of a king? He's thinking, it's got to be outrageous. Verse 24, when Saul's men reported this back to the king, he told them, tell David that all I want for the bride price is a hundred Philistine foreskins. Ah! Oh, what a beautiful wedding present, huh? Um, yeah, things are different then. Vengeance on my enemies is all I really want. But what Saul had in mind was that David would be killed in the fight again. He's not worried about healthy relationships. He's not worried about getting godly um, husbands for his daughters. He's just trying to get David killed in whatever way that he can. Verse 26, David was delighted to accept the offer. Before the time limit expired, he and his men went out and killed 200 Philistines. Then David fulfilled the king's requirement by presenting all their foreskins to him. So Saul gave his daughter, Michael, to David to be his wife. When Saul realized that the Lord was with David and how much his daughter, Michael, loved him, Saul became even more afraid of him and he remained David's enemy for the rest of his life. Every time the commanders of the Philistines attacked, David was more successful against them than all the rest of Saul's officers. So David's name became very famous. It's not turning out the way Saul intended, is it? That would be because the Lord has the purpose and plan for David's life. And no matter what Saul intends, God's, God's plan will never be thwarted. How sick is this? How sick is this that we have Saul? We have Saul who has earthly power. He has prestige. He has daughters. He has sons. He, he's got this fighting man who's willing to go and, and die on his behalf. 
and does a really good job. And all he cares about, all he can see is through green eyes. And he just wants David dead. And, you know, as we look at the story, I mean, it's, it's ugly. It's ugly when you look at Saul's heart. It's ugly when you're able to see Saul's motives. But how would it look if someone was reading your thoughts and your motives? What would it be like if your relationships, your earthly relationships were put up on the big screen and we could see your motives. We could see the insecurities. We could see the jealousies. Our weekly assignment for this week is to prayerfully examine your relationships. Are they full of meaning or are they a means to an end? The very first relationship that you need to prayerfully examine is your relationship with God. As I have quoted so many times, you all should know this by now. I'm going to pray over you and over me at this moment. Psalm 139, 23 through 24. Dear God, I pray that you search us and know our hearts, that you test us and know our anxious thoughts. You point out any offensive way in us and you lead us in the way everlasting. Saul may or may not have had anybody praying for him. I don't know. But Saul made some really bad choices and we're going to see him continue to do over and over and over again. When I was looking for some verses in Scripture that describe how we should treat others and how we have healthy relationships, Romans 12 the book of Romans is a very complicated book. It's, it's multifaceted, and, and Paul was writing it um, to the church at Rome, and he goes through a lot of theology. There's just so many different aspects to it. But in chapter 12, he gives advice, like down-to-earth advice. I think we just talked about over the last few weeks. I know I talked about it with somebody, whether it was on this podcast or it was in my class. I know that I talked about some of the verses in 12 because it talks about how we are to handle our enemies, how we are to deal with our enemies. But the verses that I want to point out today, and the graphic is in the show notes, it's Romans 12, 9 through 10. It says, don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. How would our relationships be different if we did just that? If we would not pretend to love others, but we would truly love them. Love them with the love of God. That does not just include those who love you. 
does it? No, God's love can permeate every bit of us and can pour out into those who seemingly have no love in their hearts. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. The next phrase is hate what is wrong. We're not going to agree with everybody. Absolutely not. This is not a popularity contest. And you're not going to, even if you love everybody, you're not going to love what they do. You are going to have people who you are going to love that you absolutely hate what they're doing because they are destroying themselves. Hold tightly to what is good. But in the midst of that, in the midst of hating what is wrong, don't hate them. Still love them and still do the right thing. I was in that discussion earlier today with somebody and it's really tough. It's really tough when you see somebody you care about and they are just messing their lives up. We're not accountable for them, but we are accountable for how we treat them and how we love them and how we pray for them. And then the second part was love each other with genuine affection. You know, don't fake it. Just like it started out in verse 9. Just This is not about faking it till you make it. This is about truly submitting your heart to God's altar and saying, God, please love through me. And take delight in honoring each other. What do we see in Saul? The only taking delight in honoring is taking delight in honoring himself. He doesn't take delight in honoring God. He doesn't take delight in honoring his own daughters. And he surely does not take delight in honoring David. When we are not where we need to be with God and our security is wavering and we are looking to other human beings to fill our love cup, we are going to struggle in relationships. And looking at Saul, and as ugly as 1 Samuel 18 is, I'm not so sure that our own story on the pages would look any better if we could truly see our motives, if we could see our insecurities. And so this is my challenge to you this week. Please prayerfully examine your relationships and then ask God are they about each of them. Are they full of meaning or are they a means to an end? And if any of them fall into that second category, please place yourself on God's altar and beg God's mercy and love him with your whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. And pray that he then gives you what you need to love others as you love yourself. Thank you for joining me uh, for a set of scripture that I was not so sure about how it was going to turn out. I'm very thankful for what God did. I'm very thankful for the lesson that he taught me. And I'm trusting that he is working in your heart as well. Uh, in the information in the show notes down below, you've got information about our Facebook group, Encouraging Others in Loving Jesus. 
and would love to hear from you. Uh, email address is encouragingothersandlovingjesus at gmail.com. And, you know, I just thank you. I thank you for tuning in. I thank you for sharing this with others. I thank you for praying for me. Uh, I thank you for praying for the others who listen to this podcast. I made a commitment to God to just put this out there and let it, let it accomplish his purpose. And I'm trusting that to be so. Thank you. Have a blessed day. And always remember, it's a trust and obey kind of day. Mm-hmm.